Welcome to episode seven of Shifty Perspective. In this episode, we speak to rapper and legend of UK hip hop, Dr. Syntax. Our guest today, legend of UK hip hop, known for his witticisms and his self-appreciating humor, and obviously his great music. So our guest is Dr. Syntax. So uh, hey there, can you hear us? Hey, yes, I certainly can. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Pleased to be here. Thank you for joining. Uh, it's a shame. Shame there's a whole lockdown situation that we can't actually, you know, get you here or, or not here right now, but, you know, get you in, in person and stuff. But, you know, Zoom will do. Um, how, how have you been for the past few weeks? In, like seven weeks, whatever. Uh, you know, not too bad. Can't complain in the grand scheme of things. It's uh, up and down, here in between. Despair and giddily getting on with it, you know how it goes. Uh, when it first, when um, lockdown started, uh, I was on tour in the Alps, in the French Alps. Oh, nice. The ski resorts they have there and things. We, I was doing a couple of gigs out there. Did, did one in, um, in Marybell, and then we were going on to uh, what was it, um, to Chamonix and a couple of other places. But um, we got a couple done, and then uh, obviously it all happened, and it happened a bit earlier in France as well. So like. That's that uh, shutdown. Um, flights were cancelled and things. I got months, which was bizarre. So, oh, really? yeah, it's strange period. Of course, you know, start to get ill when all, when all that was kicking off. Oh, shit, here we go. Oh, no. Bizarrely, I went for a retro illness and uh, was, was sat with, uh, with puffy cheeks for a bit. But as I say, can't complain. I had skin things. I guess we were stuck, yeah, we were stuck out in, um, in, uh, uh, with some friends out there for a few weeks. Uh, which was an amazing place to be, you know, uh, in crazy uncertainty. But eventually it became a bit of a case of how are we going to get back? How <laughs> do we get out of here? I mean, this is, but uh, yeah, we, we got you, back and we've been locking down. Were you like on one of those repatriated flights? Or how did you? How did you... It was, um, oh, it, was, it was just a, it was a Swiss Air one or something. It got down to the point where um, there was hardly any, Flights going is like maybe one a day or one every okay. days. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like it became like a bit of an issue in our minds thinking, what's it going to be like getting home, going to Geneva Airport? Well, you know, we've got to get to London and get a lift and all this. And um, it actually turned out far, far more simple. I mean, I've never seen such a deserted place like going to Geneva Airport. There was a couple of members of staff knocking about, it was empty, it was very, very surreal. It's like if you went and got a flight, if you ever got a flight right in the middle of the night, four in the morning or something. But yeah, there was literally no one. I think there was like five people on the flight. Yeah, it's very, very surreal. I had a bit of a similar thing. I was actually in Morocco whilst, uh, when everything went down. And they, they, they announced, they said, uh, Morocco is closing its airspace and closing all borders. Uh, everyone's got, um, I think it was like 24 or 48 hours to get out. But then the airlines cancelled all the flights. So we were like, shit, what do we do? So at first we were planning to try and make a, a journey across the desert. We thought we saw that some of the uh, countries in South Mor- uh, Morocco, like Mauritania were open. So we thought we're, we're going to try and get across the desert. That sounds like a Disney film from 1992, <laughs> but it's probably not that exciting. Um, well, we realized like what happens if we start going across the desert and everywhere starts shutting down their borders, which is what happened. So we, we had our flights canceled and then there was uh, these like repatriation flights, which they had one a day and they only were limiting them. Uh, there was like three, three days of flights. And then after that, you were just stuck. So we managed to get on one of these flights and it was crazy because there were so many people stuck there who just, yeah, couldn't get on flights and all the hotels shut down and stuff. So yeah. I think, I imagine, I've read a lot quite a few people are still stuck in, in various places. Wow. I know there was a, there was a festival somewhere like Panama. Yeah, yeah. A lot of staff from that were detained for a bit, I think. But, uh, I, I, I don't want to spread misinformation. I, I don't know much more on that. That's a bit of a word of mouth thing. But I'm pretty sure a bunch of people, a bunch of UK staff members, like festival crew and stuff, were all just like <laughs> kept in a in some sort of uh, restricted area. But, yeah, yeah, I saw something on Vice about that. There, actually, 
uh, there's a girl that I know and I had no idea she was involved in the festival and I just saw this vice thing and she was on there and she was one of the organizers and uh, yeah they, they were this was a few weeks ago but they were still stuck in Panama and they had I think yeah been quarantined on the festival site and everyone you know it started off with this like oh yeah like free love we're just in the wilderness and then I think it turned into Lord of the Flies kind of stuff pretty soon you know? but um, I think I don't know. I, I think things are starting to change. Like I, I'm literally just uh, right now on the North Sea Island. Um, I've, the lockdown is, uh, tourism is lifted. I, I live in the Netherlands. And um, so we've, me and some friends have ridden our motorbikes up to this island. I, everyone's got to like socially distance and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's starting to open up. I'm not sure. What's, what's it like? Whereabouts are you? Are you based in Oxford? Bristol. Uh, Oxfordshire, but yeah, I've not lived there for a long time. But um, yeah, I'm in Bristol. I've been in Bristol for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, central Bristol. That sounds good, though. Sounds like you, you're doing the right thing. All right, let's get onwards. Yeah. Drive. Get somewhere where we're Yeah, man. Um, so, what have you been Have you been writing much music lately? Like, since you, like, since lockdown and stuff like that? What have you. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Uh, as I said, from the beginning, I've been sort of veering between two extremes, really. I'm either really productive, really unproductive. So when it first sort of kicked off, I was in France. Oh, I can't record, you know, I could record demos on the laptop, but I kind of jumped into it like, right, I'm going to be super productive and, and banged out. I think every day I was writing something and going, yeah, this is cool. You know, I'm making the most of this time. <laughs> and it just, it just veered off. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, as, as events unfolded and... There's the sheer drama, there's this the sheer trauma of it, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't feel very creative for, for a good while. I'm kind of getting back into it now. Cool. I mean, do you do you like live with any other like musicians or producers? Like um, I know obviously you're you work with like Pete Cannon a lot. Do you do you guys live together or do you just work like remotely, virtually? It's all yeah, all pretty remote now. I mean, there's some uh, some great people in Bristol that I do mm -hmm. work with. Uh, here and there, but most of um, what I do is still with Pete Cannon, you know, because we tend to, um, to to work the way we'll do things is uh, he'll send me uh, instrumentals or track ideas and things, and that could be something that he made last week, it could be something from 15 years ago that he made, you never know, Pete, just get a folder yeah. of this, or, I go, or, or I'll go to his and screw through things and find things, it's just, okay. I mean, he is constantly making music, constantly churning things out. So there's so much that he's forgotten about, you know. Uh, but yeah, generally it's generally it's remote. Obviously, at the moment it is. Uh, he's in London. But, yeah. Um, uh, but that works quite nicely. I've just started to reconnect with uh, Tom Caruana as well. He's a great producer who lives up in Yorkshire now. Um, but, uh, so I made an album with him years ago, uh, in 2010. Called a slice of bright gold, but we've done things and, and we had a group together as well, the Menagerie, that put out an album years and years ago, 2003. But so, yeah, I mean, it works well for me. I like, I like to, I, I do prefer being in a room with someone, and when you work with someone and they're your friend, you're going back and forth, and you can stop in real time and go, Oh, I don't know about that, we change that. Because I find a lot of the time I'm very lucky to uh, work with my good friends, you know. Every, yeah, that I do most of the stuff with the um, pitch ninety two. Um, he used to be with Mouse Outfit, and now he's doing mm -hmm. his own. I focus and everything. Um, you know, that's my friends. So there's no sort of breakdown in communication. Everyone can like that. We just talk freely, which is just very handy. And so back and forth, it's easy. But at the same time, you know, if you're doing something and then you want to tweak something and then you're going back and forth on uh, just online. Little bits of information can get missed, you know. It's yeah. easy, easy for that to be quite a slow process. But so I, I think you know I would always prefer to just be in a room or get around and do it just a bit. But I mean, um, you know, at the same time, it's it can be done. You know, it's a, it's an absolute blessing that I can just carry on with what I'm doing. I need this desk that I'm sat at and uh, computer and stuff and whatnot. I can I can keep going. So and it's funny, you know, it's a wider social thing. It's amazing how many things. Could just carry on. I make it. I wonder it's, if a lot of industries done like this remotely from now on. 
I think it really is quite eye-opening. It shows that a lot of people don't actually need to go into offices and, you know, that it maybe I'm not sure what their like productivity will actually result in, you know, maybe afterwards you'll find out that people are more productive, and, you know, working in a home environment is better for a lot of people. Yeah, I suppose it's that uh, some people will flourish in certain situations yeah. and vice versa. I, guess. I imagine some people might um, might struggle a bit, you know, when there's a, a fridge full of beer and you know they're supposed to do make some spreadsheets up or shit like that. And then <laughs> I can imagine it's more is yeah, it could be difficult the temptation. Need solid guidelines, need walls to keep it up. So you you actually did an album in two thousand and three. When did you when did you start making music? Uh, Foreign beggars, right? Well, I mean, but really, like when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, um, I'd be making little demos and things. Um, and that like, late nineties, I suppose. But I mean, nothing serious. But then uh, I moved to Brighton in two thousand one, um, and, oh, and I cooked up with a few people in prison, Tom Caruana, who were just doing bits of bobs, going to the open mics there, trying to do that all the time. Uh, and then, yeah, then we formed a crew there. I don't know if you know Professor Elemental, who's a rapper, mm -hmm. yep. right? With me and uh, Nick Maxwell was the DJ, and um, and Tom Caruana, and later on Coasty as well. So a bunch of Brighton crews. And then there was like there was a real energy in Brighton. There was a a lot of open mics going on. Obviously, it was before you had everything just filmed, you know, for, from every angle, everything put online or whatever. So it was very much hearsay, you know. It was, it was kind of you know, there'd be MC battles going on and, nice. and all this sort of thing. So there was a real excitement at that time. So 2002, 2003 in Brighton, there was a lot of people, you know, make you energized to do things, you know, because you, you go down to the open mic, you drop your new verse and someone kicks it, kicks it down. Like, oh, I can do something. But it was quite welcoming as well. Before that, I'd lived in um, Manchester and I ended up going back to Manchester for years and years after that, of course. But I went to uni up in Manchester sort of in the late 90s. And it was cool and it was a real good introduction to an amazing city. But, you know, in terms of, it was very different to Brighton. You know, everyone was um, very welcoming as soon as I got down to Brighton. Uh, and what, what? So it was just get on with things, get into things. And, um, yeah, Menagerie was a crew that came out of that, basically, as the album. I think it was about 2003. I might have got that slightly wrong, but I think that's about right. What did you actually uh, study in uh, Manchester? Music or...? language and literature, which was one of those degrees that like kind of um you know incorporated all sorts of different bits mm -hmm. but the main thing I did was uh like English um like poetry that was so long ago a lifetime. <laughs> Satirical poetry in, in the eighteenth and nineteenth century that was my Serious. Yeah. Oh, I guess you can my see it kind of carries across. Yeah well my name Dr. Syntax is from a bunch of poems in the 19th century. Oh, that is right. Um, a guy called William Coon. And it was kind of a satire on all, um, uh, all poets that were jumping on the romantic poetry bandwagon, is the uh, simplest way I can put it, really. I think because you had like the neoclassical period of poetry in the 18th century, where every poet was trying to reinvent themselves as a, you know, in, in the Roman or Greek style. And then when um, romantic, when the romantic era came, you know, you had a lot of people, yeah, you know, your words were all original, and they took it a different way. They said, no, it should just be free to poetry. Mm -hmm. It's not so rigid, restricted. But some people still wanted that whole way. And, and, and this guy, William Cooney, also saw that um, there was a lot of uh, people who would suddenly be a poet, which is interesting, that, that someone would go, oh, that's a cool thing, I'll be a poet. And, you know, you, know, you had the sort of um, the wealthy classes would go and do a grand tour and go, you know, traveling at that time was, you know, very much a sort of a, a elite pastime. Only for the top, so, yeah. The lots of people would go and, and travel Europe or whatever and they'll write uh, uh, their little um, their travel book. That's what, like, travel books came from, like uh, your, uh, your, your, your beer ex guides and whatnot. And so that was some rich people going off on adventures. And yeah, and writing, oh, yes, France, and all whatever. But, um, but some, anyway, so I, I meandered off topic a little bit there. But yeah, so 
um, another thing that people would do on this grand tour would be write some romantic poetry and go, oh, so that's the thing to do now. So I'll go to the Lake Districts and write about uh, the countryside there. Then I'll go down to Somerset and do this and this and this. And um, this guy, William Pooh, he, I think he, he saw that as, as being genuine, you know, um, uh, disingenuous. Disingenuous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> words um uh but so he um he created this character sort of lampoon stop the syntax character which was this uh sort of stuffy clergyman i think who went around and um and would get himself in scrapes in, in the, in the, <laughs> of this talk and there's a load of like lots of artwork that was made at the time for it it's funny because i i found this name when i was it was too, how old was I? I think I was like 17. I got this name and I was just a, obviously a student. And uh, I just saw that. Oh, that sounds good. Use that. And eventually find out and piece bits together. So it sounds like it was all a big plan. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so what, um, you know, you obviously did have Google and things like that. It wasn't just in every aspect of society. So now as I got older, I found out that other things were named after Dr. Syntax, and there was like a, a successful bracelet up north that was the no main buried somewhere. So you get, because of that, there was, there was like, you get pubs up north called the Dr. Syntax. And <laughs> well, there's one in Wigan. Every now and then someone sends you a picture. And goes, How come there's a pub named after you in like Northumbria? Get the Google up. But yeah, so. I kind of stole the name or something because I thought it sounded cool. Uh, I honestly would not have had a clue about that. I, uh, like, I've not really, I kind of assumed actually that it was something to do with like computer programming, you know, syntax, um, like lines. Uh, I think, I'm not really sure, but is syntax like um, something to do with code, I think? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, syntax error. Syntax error, yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, I, yeah. I, I assumed it was it was something to do with that and just a, just a pun on that. So it's actually a lot cooler, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, depending. I remember like, I told that story to some people. I told us. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I can imagine like if you're you know at like a sweaty club or a festival on stage and you say, "Hey guys, I just want to explain. You know, let's break out. Let's take you back a bit to the 1800s." People are going to be like. Stop the music, let me break it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it's just words now. You know, when you're attached to something for so long, yeah, forgot what, what its origin was. Mm -hmm. I mean, the short story of all that was that I looked at it in a book and thought, that sounds cool, let's go. Um, but yeah, and here I am, years, years later. Nice. Still with the name. I've actually... Uh, been getting people commenting on the live stream, asking some questions. So um, I will, well, before they build up too much, I'll ask you a couple of these. Um, uh, someone's asked, who would be your ideal person to collaborate with? Like any other. Well, um, ideal person to collaborate with. Um, dead or alive or realistically or... I think, I guess that means... Uh, <laughs> Well, there's there's a there's a, actually a, there's a lag in the stream, so we can't really ask somebody, and they're not going to type it now. So I, I'm I'm going to take the executive decision here and uh, say, um, anyone dead or alive? It's a difficult question. Maybe I'm overthinking because because uh, the best way from a sort of perspective of um, uh, creating the music, it, it's it's quite. It, it's perfect that I can work with people that I know so well. Mm -hmm. Pitch Night Two, like um, like Pete Cannon, uh, it's a nice and easy flow. I don't have much in the way of ambition of like, oh, I really want to reach out and work with that person and that person. Yeah. Introverted in that respect, but I mean, um, I did a tune years ago with uh, Del Funky Homo Sapien with Pete as well. It was on our album Killer Combo. That was definitely one of those. That was amazing. Um, I've sidestepped the question. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. Is the short answer? I suppose we can. We can like freeze. It, you know. Oh, we've got connection problems. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a, just a, just a um, 
a really cool band like the El Michelle Fair or something like that. That would be incredible. You know, I, I like the fact that there's a lot more of that going on these days. You see, like the NPR Tiny Desk. I am booked on that. Uh, there is a woman I called uh, Moo Moo Fresh. Yeah. She is amazing. Like, her, she sings, her rapping is like Lauren Hill esque, and her voice is just, yeah. I've been listening to that on repeat actually quite a lot. Remember seeing her on, I think it was the Roots one. That yes, yes, cool. yes, yeah, she guessed on that one. Who's this? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love like, that you did stuff with the mouse outfit. You know, I think there should be more live music in hip hop. I, I just think, as you know, I, I absolutely I love hip hop. I've always been into it. I also equally love you know my rock, my reggae, my jazz, my you know live music. So, and I, I think quite often there's almost like you know some rappers that I speak to uh, a bit standoffish against it, the idea of it, and I think it works amazing. I mean, sort of historically, it was kind of sneered at a bit by some people. Like uh, years and years ago, it's just like, well, we don't need a band. We've got two turntables and a microphone. You know, that's, that's the real hip hop element. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that only came out of a situation where, you know, music programs in the Bronx were underfunded, so they used what they could, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it shouldn't ever be, you know, it shouldn't be viewed as something that you shouldn't play with. I think, like, nowadays, yeah. I think there is definitely a, um, just something about playing with a band that is very different to just going up with a backing track or a DJ or whatever. It's yeah. been all much, you know. Uh, in ways, it's a lot easier because by the time you get on stage, if you've got a great band there, they've already done the work, everyone's enthralled, and it's mm-hmm. on it's part of the bigger uh, piece. But then it's kind of just stand out and define yourself with all that going on is, yes. a, is a different uh, set of skills. But I think, I mean, beyond the fact that obviously there's a lot less music, uh, a lot less money in sort of independent music and, and getting that sort of thing started and putting a band together and getting however musicians to turn up and rehearse and being on that, I, I suppose like, you see less of it in that respect. But I think it's there. People that want to do it there. I think it's great in the last few years, the sort of UK jazz scene that's been going on, you know, with all these great people, Henry Wu and all, all those sort of people, you know, amazing. Ezra Collective, you know, really mm-hmm. does. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's great fans. I suppose that's kind of gone off topic a little bit. You <laughs> know, so Manchester, Manchester, it's fine. all the young, uh, the amount of young musicians I met there, because as you say, you know, it'd be the mouse outfit, and sometimes someone so can't do this gig, so they've got a debt coming through, and then there's this guy who's an amazing keyboard player, and, He's got this band, and then suddenly you realize there's a real network of young musicians there, which, I mean, I don't know if that is the same elsewhere. I'm sure it is, and I just don't know about it. But it's, it's collaboration, really. It's when people who are really prepared to have a community of, um, of, of musicians working together. And, and when, you, when you really get that flow, you have to have the people that are dedicated to being the guy that organizes it. You know? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I wonder what it is that makes that happen in certain places because, you know, I've definitely experienced in certain cities where they've got a thriving music scene and everyone's comes together. And then in other places, there's just as many musicians and just as many people, but it just doesn't work. Like, you, know, you just end up performing empty stages. I suppose that's a lot of it as well. You know, you need that instant gratification of having a, uh, having a crowd. <laughs> yeah. uh, Manchester, you've got the Royal um, Northern College of Music there. So you've got mm-hmm. this massive amount of young and very talented musicians on a sort of yeah. site. And of course, they all know each other um, and keep it rolling. And so you have little uh, open mic nights and things going on there. Um, yeah, and that kind of, lots of good friends of mine up there came through that. Sort of circuit and there's different bands going on now that they're involved with. But um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it has to be that type of a problem. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's and just people wanting to turn up and, you know, so obviously in Manchester you've got a huge student population for start. Or yeah, just, you know, everyone really cares about music there. 
But now I'm in Bristol. It's the same. You know, you walk down the road from where I am. Well, obviously, a few months ago, you would have walked down the road and uh, walked past three different bars with like an open mic thing going on. And there's like, some cool band uh, doing bits. So, yeah, there's, I don't know what my point is that I'm laboring towards, but uh, <laughs> I guess it's, uh, if it's valued, if it's wanted, if there's provision for it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think like places like Bristol and Manchester attract uh, because they've already got like, artistic people. They then attract more artistic people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the people, places get a buzz to them, and then mm-hmm. everyone just turns up there because it's yeah. The and then uh, and then it gets diluted, and then the whole process starts again somewhere else. I've just got another uh, um, question, which is. Uh, what's your favourite bit of work you've made? Uh, um, ooh. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, you know what? It's always a really boring answer because <laughs> it's always like the last release that uh, an artist has made uh, that they're still trying to promote. Um, okay, and then, and then, if you think back to like, some people will be like, oh, "I really like the first album best." And to me, that's like a growing pain. It's a bit I can see what I was trying to do. You know what I mean? So it is always like the last thing I'll do is probably the most um, polished thing. It's hard to say, really. I can't really quantify things like that and say that's no, no favorite track that you were like, you know what, that is, you know, my, my legacy track. Um, uh, I guess it changes, but. Um, I, like I was saying before with uh, Killer Combo, I suppose I am most proud of that because it came, it just felt like the stars aligned a little bit. Like that, the album Killer Combo with Pete Cannon, that was our first, he'd done most of my album before that, Benny Hughes, but that was still kind mm-hmm. of his solo album. We didn't quite have our, our directions. We didn't know each other as well. Yeah. And, um, and then Killer Combo, you know, had some great guests on it. Had the Della from Young Sapien, jazz track on there. Uh, oh, nice, yeah. Dirty Dyke and Lucy on a track for the first time together, Proxy. So, and then it, it just sort of came at a time when, I don't know, people were, were warming to like UK rap again. You know, it was coming back around. And the high focus wave was really kicking off. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah, people had an appetite for it. So that, I think, uh, I just like the way that kind of came out. It's connected with memories for me as well. The, um, I'm not very, I've never been very good at documenting things, taking photos and, uh, and having that in my life, you know, but there's always music, so I can always go, ah, for that one. That reminds me of this time. And just uh, friends of mine popped up in little skits and things. And yeah, so I think it's that. Cool. Well, what one was that? Uh, Cats and Dogs on. Cats and Dogs, that was on an EP. That was on that um, uh, <laughs> One of the best, oh, honestly. I, 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 I just think it's genius. In fact, um, <laughs> I remember I, when I said to my girlfriend about having one, uh, she, she was very excited. Like, she wanted me to ask what you prefer, cats or dogs, actually. But <laughs> well, I always say this when we play it live. I say, who likes cats? Who likes dogs? It kind of seems like I've set you up to be against each other. But no, you can like both of them. Who likes cats or dogs? <laughs> okay. My little show was compromised. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm leaning towards dogs more these days. Nice. Uh, I always grew up with a cat, and I was always like, no, I'm a cat guy. And, you know, you've got to have a certain respect for cats, you know. They're just complete uh, disregard for humans that aren't feeding them. Not yeah, they, they are there. See, they're using you, you know, like in a sense of, but, then, but they know it. They're like, I like that about them, how they're just like, fuck you, I've got but personally, you know, I like I like dogs more because I, w- I like loyalty of a dog. I want I want dogs to be dependent on me and me to be the center of its universe. Uh, and that's it. And like people will say dogs are stupid. I'm stupid. That's it. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Let's take it based. You know, you don't get therapy cats, do you? you get therapy dogs. Very true. Yeah. That's what oh, we've got some uh, uh, more. There's a bit, some weird questions actually. Um, uh, do you own tickets? <laughs> no. Uh, 
chicken poop. I don't know what that, where that's come from. Uh, so. Not everyone who will be viewing is necessarily like. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a hip hop podcast. You know, yeah. we've had uh, who was it? Uh, we've had a guy uh, last week who was a film producer and is an author of seven best-selling books. We've had um, a guy who's in jail for yeah. seven years for SD in America. Um, so there's a range of people watching. So not every question. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that he's just seen past the seat. Kyle looks like you with the chicken coops. Is it you with the chicken coops? Yeah. Oh, right. It's uh, no, sadly not. My okay. um, animal rearing skills uh, are pretty defunct as it goes. I've got mm. a little space. Maybe it's time. Ask me again in a year. I might have changed it a little bit. Cool. Okay. Except I have swindled. So, yeah, no chicken coopery in my immediate past. Okay. Oh, someone uh, written, in, oh, it's a quote. I think this is maybe a quote. If you want a live show that will get the place packed, then please back and listen. Still back. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what, what that's, if that's a quote. <laughs> so oh, man. Oh, the chicken coop um, guy, do you put, um, was a old bar, so maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't got a fucking clue what I've written. I'm sorry about that. My lack of knowledge about my own work. It's interesting that you asked me. What's your favorite? I haven't got a clue. That's all that. But, you know, that, that's it. You are always focused on what you're doing at the moment. You know, the old stuff is, is old straight away. It's, it's, it's out there and done with. Um, yeah. I, I suppose that's it. It's kind of, you're trying to be focused on the new bits. You know, if, if someone said, oh, what's your favorite verse to do? Well, it's the one I just wrote, not yeah. the one I, yeah. I could do in my sleep. But at the same time, those are some people know and hear it. Mm-hmm. It's, and all the meaning is drained. But yeah, all right, I'll get a chicken poop and figure okay. out yeah. how to do that. <laughs> do you, um, do you, are you close to your family? Like, are they, what, what's their, their opinion on you know, your music and, and what you, that you're a professional rapper? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're close. They're all very supportive. They're all there. They're locked in. I did a live stream for Balta Festival the other day. Mm-hmm. And they were, it was funny seeing them pop up in the comments. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was very supportive. Um, not necessarily a big hip hop. My mum's pretty um, political. She's always, she's always trying to get me yeah. to, to get more on that side of things. I like, she didn't get it for years and years and then went to like, uh, um, Particular, uh, she was very uh, involved in free free Tibet um, okay. organization, and uh, and she went to a a rally and, uh, and saw some rap in there, uh, and it was oh I get it now you know you should do some, something like that you know what are cats and dogs yeah my family are cool they're very supportive um, yeah they, they want you to like have a you know a career. I don't know, there would be a, a doctor of you know, health rather than a doctor of music. Doctor, yeah. Um, sure, I mean, there's always that parental and familial uh, pressure, isn't it? What are you going to do mm-hmm. yourself? Uh, I think it's more like my fact, my, my dad was, um, my mum and my dad were both uh, uh, all very much involved in languages. So my mum was a German teacher for many, many years. And my dad was um, yeah, he was a teacher for a long time. He was a tour guide for a long time. Uh, a bilingual tour guide. So, oh. uh, yeah, I think they were a bit befuddled by um, music and, and whatnot. At first, mm-hmm. as it's sort of carried on, the years have gone by and there's been this and that. And look, I'm playing at this festival and whatever. Here's my record. It's like, ah, okay, validated. Oh, nice. That's good. Did you? Did they teach you other languages? Did you grow up bilingual or anything? Uh, no, I probably should have done. Uh, that was the shittest rebellion ever. Uh, <laughs> so I know a bit of German. I can get by. But if someone really goes, ah, oh, you know what you're talking about. Tapping in. But um, yeah, I, I wish uh, I wish that I hadn't rejected that. So, but there you go. But you live in the Netherlands. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I moved out there uh, 
couple of years ago, I think just over two years ago. I've, I'm, I'm from the UK, I'm from uh, Gloucestershire, but I've lived all over. I lived in Spain and Belgium and Canada over the past like 10 years. And um, yeah, now for the past few years, living in the Netherlands. Uh, learning Dutch slowly, but it's so difficult. Everybody speaks perfect English. Yeah, because I speak like, I guess, a three-year-old child, so my, my, my conversations are not deep in Dutch. So I'm trying to like, you know, talk to them, they're just like, you know, we're, we can't just talk about, you know, I, I don't even know what I can talk about. I, I, I can follow it though. Like I, I read almost, not, I wouldn't say fluently, but I could, you know, I read article in Dutch without much problem. But it's, it's making that step to speaking it. It's, I think it's, it's like a fear, I guess. And it's actually, you know, that I'm not just going to sound like I'm completely stupid. You should like you have to do uh, Napoleon Dynamite style and just keep it hidden for years and years. Suddenly <laughs> you just go bang and then, like you just you speak fluently and perfectly without anyone knowing that you put up to that. That would be brilliant, especially but, if you could you could like plan it and in a situation where you're with a bunch of people who don't think you speak it and you listen in what they're saying and you come and go, oh okay so. And they just go, well done, nice one. Speak English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Are you out just, of situation? Well, uh, you, you like to move around. I like to move around. Um, I would like to ideally uh, live off in Canada and Netherlands. That would be my dream. I, yeah, I love it. I, I love it. In, in Canada for the nature, you know, just on the West Coast, the, the lifestyle is so chill. And then in the Netherlands, uh, it's, I know, it's just so organized and everyone, like, just genuine, like, trusting. I, I, you know, I leave, I don't know, I wouldn't leave my, my keys on my bike, maybe, but I would, um, you know, I don't have to watch my back everywhere. And where I'm from, you know, it's, it's not, like, the worst place, but it's definitely... No, I was definitely had lots of possessions stolen and people make fights and stuff like that. So I just, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever move back. In England, that was Yeah, yeah. never to the UK. No. Pro probably yeah. never to, um, and I definitely don't think ever to um, Gloucestershire. Sorry to anyone who's listening now. It's a funny one, isn't it? I've heard the same thing from anyone I know who's ever moved to uh, Netherlands. They're always like, yeah, best thing I ever did. I'm out here. So, you know, it's, it's a good place to be, you know. Have you played there, like, concerts? Yeah. A few years ago, um, uh, that was with the Mouse Outfit, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. And we played in um, in Amsterdam. And where else did we play? Uh, Groningen. I love Groningen. So that was a cool place. Nice. Um, and Maastricht. Yeah. Cool. It's just three days. Nice. Uh, as part of a big European thing. But, yeah, I really liked it. I mean, Amsterdam... Is obviously the crazy overload the senses with all sorts. Yeah, it's the tourists is crazy, so it's just like, like yeah, all the English and Irish and Americans who are finally able to get stoned and sleep prostitutes are just getting off their faces. So it's a bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So is it kind of in a situation where they depend on that sort of tourism, but they don't want it? Is that right? They're trying to yeah. they're trying to stop. Foreigners coming over and just being in and everything Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a difficult one because, like, I mean, I've got uh, I've got some friends who run a popular bar right in the centre of Amsterdam, but it's you know I don't know, I know ninety percent tourists, so they need a tourist sport. Yeah. But then again, you know, if they live in there and having to deal with just all these. Right, if, you, if you're there for two days, you know, you don't have the respect. You know, mm. someone someone goes there, they come to the claim, they get absolutely trashed, and they don't care what they do. So I think there's a lot of a lot of animosity as well. As well, I, I went. Um, I had a strange day in Amsterdam once. As my brother lives in Frankfurt, and the only way I could get to him, uh, flying to him, I'd have to come back and have a big. Uh, 
uh, layover in, in, uh, in Amsterdam. And it ended up in this strange, sort of like a, like a date, like a first date that was going nowhere with this woman because I, <laughs> I, I had like 10 hours to, to spend in Amsterdam and went up to someone at the, uh, the airport. I said, what can I do here? How can I get into town? The guy was like, oh, Shipple Airport, when you've got this and this and this, and you've got that, you've got a little cinema there and blah, blah, blah. You don't need to go anywhere, you can stay here. Okay, cool. You're proud of your airport. How do I get out of here? What? And then the, um, the, all the trains seemed to be off. And it was just me and this woman on the platform. And after a while, I asked, said, you know what's going on? She went, no, I think the trains are stopped. You want to get a cab? Uh, okay. Well, it looks like <laughs> uh, my hand is forced. Yeah, let's go. So I went to town, and then we just, um, it was a very pleasant day, but it was quite interesting as well, because uh, um, you could see the packs of you know, British lads or whatever, and all this crawling around and, and getting smashed. And I was being very civilized in my best behavior. <laughs> um, and that was that. Uh, and then I flew back to Manchester after a weird day and a weird day out. You know, oh. so, yeah. Does that mean you haven't actually Sorry, go on. I said I knew I was saving that anecdote. So. <laughs> so does that mean you actually haven't had a chance to go and get smashed in Amsterdam and go on a smoke tour, you know, and, uh, one of the wheat, wheat boats, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I've been to Amsterdam, of course. And of course, uh, as I was saying, I went to the tour. Oh, with, yeah, of course. Asked out with, which, um, I remember we, we, that was really cool because we met people from there who took us to the cool stuff. And our gig was pretty early as well. It was at, um, Paradiso. Oh, nice. Uh, um, I think that's right. You've got the Melkveig, haven't you? Which is yep. the bigger one. And then Paradiso is the smaller one, which is like next door to it. Paradiso is right. quite a famous club. Like, uh, you know, it's legendary for being around for every test. Right. It's you know, a pretty good artist. So. Yeah. yeah. I remember it was a really cool building. It, it almost seemed like Harry Potter's school or something. It seemed like Hogwarts. It didn't seem like we were going to the club. And it was quite early as well because it was sort of I think it was in the summer, and it was it was like light outside. It was fun going into this very sort of, uh, uh, grand-looking building to do a show. Weird, uh, but it was wicked. Yeah, it's really cool. And then after that, yeah, we ended up going to one. Uh, some guys took us to a squat somewhere where there was like a Polish punk hardcore gig going on, and it was nice. yeah. Never have found this in a million years. This is kind of cool. So, yeah. That's the best way, like, you know, when you go somewhere just meeting up with a local that can, you know, not go into the tourist places, but just find find someone that actually lives there who can take you to places and show you the real side of the city. Yeah, definitely. I think just just meandering yourself around on the road, looking at your uh, your lonely planet. That's what's happening. Having a lonely planet. when you're just doing that, it doesn't quite cut it, does it? No. But if you've got the inter- inside knowledge. Yeah, man. I've just, yep. someone, someone's just, um, there's been more questions coming. Um, I just, I don't, I, I want to keep asking a few and not let them build up. Um, someone said, link to languages. Uh, that would be my superpower. I guess that means let's speak different languages. What would your superpower be? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I just this has brought back a uh, sad memory of um, a girl asking me this question, sort of in a flirtatious way. <laughs> and the first thing I said was, "I'd laminate things," and she looked at me, looked really disappointed and disappeared. <laughs> and like when you ask that question. It brought the sadness and embarrassment back to me before I remembered what it was. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> That's the shit of superpower. Laminate. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe it would be uh, um, absolute uh, fearlessness, uh, removal from embarrassment. Maybe that's what it would be. Actually, that's not very good, is it? That's what. That's not just a complete sociopath. <laughs> My superpower would be zero empathy. That would help me get along in this point. That would make you a super villain then. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, I'm showing my 
So much to cover today, aren't I? Um, well, laminating things. Yeah, I'll just, you know what? I'm going to stick to my original answer. Uh, you know, stick to your guts. Uh, just, you know, so um, laminate things. Would that be like, would you, with each hand, you go and laminate something? Or is it in your mind? In terms of how good at laminating, I was. I could. I could pick and choose. You know, think of a way something could be laminated. That's how I do it. Which is waterproof casing. You know, especially with climate change escalating. <laughs> you know, it could be kind of like the, the. You know, the the basic level is just like there's your uh, there's your page there's a piece of paper. Um, but uh, oh Jesus Christ! Uh, but then at the at the, at the height. Hours, I could just create little igloos for myself, just ding, ding, ding. Do you, what, you laminate one? How would that? Hmm. Made out of plastic fiber for my fingers. No? <laughs> All right. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm not making the. Oh. <laughs> I believe you, you take this shit as super, however. No offense, but. You yeah. know, I can't believe I've. Had that question again and answered the shame, same shit answer. Uh, that was about 15 years ago as well. Shame still tried to fight through it. Uh, I don't know. Um, it would be the same shit answer because you've chosen it and you can't just change superpowers. So. <laughs> That's me. I'm Did you ever watch the, uh, what was that program? Misfits. Um, yes. Yeah. The guy in that went, and suddenly it blew up that everyone had his powers. And the one guy had the uh, the dairy the manipulation of dairy. Uh, do you remember that episode? So there's the one guy who he's the first guy that uh, everyone finds out about. It's like, oh my god, look at Ben milk, and and then oh, eventually everyone else has much cooler powers, and then he just gets sidetracked. Ah, like, oh, you're the milk guy. Fuck off. And then he turns into a, a, a villain and starts sort of contorting the pizza in people's bellies and things. Things. And then the one guy eventually decks him because he's lactose intolerant. Anyway, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I, so yeah, uh, God, I'm angry laminated. Angry laminated, yeah. Laminated, man. Is that what somebody, uh, they said, uh, it's me, the girl he's talking about. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. A good old lac- lactokinesis. Okay, so people are, are pretty like. like what are talking about? My uh, friend, he's actually listening at the moment. We worked out that he's got the shit superpower uh, in real life. He has a superpower. Um, he worked with um, anodizing metal and somehow he got a chemical contamination and it resulted in him being allergic to sunlight. So he, it, it's alter- I guess it's DNA. So now he actually has allergic reactions to like all three types of UV. And uh, we were hanging out and we were a little bit, a little bit wasted on the weekend and uh, sat in the sun and uh, started welling up and yeah, kind of just expanding and going purple. And uh, well, we, <laughs> we were with people who didn't realize what was going on and we, we actually told them that it was a superpower. And, <laughs> and they thought we were joking. It sounds like something from a, you know, from a Marvel thing, you know, falls into, he didn't fall into a vat of molten metal. It sounds like someone falls into this radioactive thing and they come out um, with this. But he, he actually did get, yeah, a superpower. Yeah. Well, I hope there's a, a plus side to that. Like he can, I don't know, uh, what would be the antithesis of that? <laughs> See in the dark, I suppose. Uh, I guess if he eats in lots of carrots, you can see in the dark, but um, I think I think he just gets to wear like hood, hoodies and stuff in the sun, and like look like actually look like a super villain. Absol got something like that. Uh, like he can't take his glasses off. You know, Absol rapper. Um, Which one? Absol. You heard of Absol? No. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, I think he has a similar condition. Right. I'm sorry to hear like your friend's condition. Well, uh, my friend's also a rapper, so you know maybe they could do a a, a, a song together and shoot a, like, a video in the dark. 
fantastic a plan. So I hope, hope I've not been spectacularly incestive here. So, yeah. I want to yeah, definitely. Oh, it could be like that. It could be like a, a collab of like shit superheroes, um, and uh, like you just have all of these really terrible superheroes. Um, yeah, rapping back there, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Abilities. Yeah, that's a move. That could work. That's a starting point. Oh, someone's put Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I don't know if that's a superpower, um, <laughs> but he could function in the future, I guess. I mean, he's definitely got some powers. Yeah, it's uh, pretty spectacular. He just goes on for he can go on for so long as well. The Stevie Wonder show. I saw uh, he played in Hyde Park a few years ago, and I went and saw that. Yeah, it was fucking incredible. Um, it's just relentless. Like after you know when it's, those old shows when it's real showman and the three hours long or something. And wow. After what well, you know, you're amazed. You're standing there in absolute. Uh, you know, wide eyes or for the first of half an hour, like, oh, there's so many different positions and you, like, every single backing vocalist he brings up in their own right, they get the chance to shine and they're just like phenomenal. Um, a real st- like stage production, almost like a, you know, you're going to like a theatre show or something. Yeah, I don't think like, that's probably the greatest live musical show that I've ever seen just because it was, it just kept building and building you know, it becomes part, you've so immersed in it in the sense that you've forgotten about anything else which is there. Like, you've been hit with so much information, so much amazing music. But yeah, Stevie Wonder, one of the last of the absolute greats, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I've just been asked on the chat, uh, what is your uh, favorite genre of music other than what you do? Like, uh, oh, uh, something that's very, that's a very tricky question. Um, because, you know, I love, I love, what would I listen to mostly? I don't know, that's, that's so difficult to answer. It's a wishy-washy answer. Give me a lot of wishy-washy answers today. Uh, I don't think I have a favourite because different music, different... Emo- Sorry, I don't think I've had a long-form conversation for about eight weeks. Very stupid. <laughs> I, I like it. They're going off on like, you know... Um, yeah. You're giving stories that you seem to maybe not have thought about for a while, so it's cool, you know? Like, sort like... of fragments of sentences. Yeah. Uh, what was the question again? Uh, oh, the question was... Blue yeah. car. <laughs> Next. Uh, all types of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I like, um, uh, like lots of folk music, uh, rock and roll music. Uh, what was I listening to in the past that would be Oh, how can I never think about these things? When oh, Ari Lennox, she's great. R&B music, of course. But, uh, yeah. That's, that's what I was listening to the other day. Ari Lennox is amazing. She wants to focus the question into being one artist that you found well, out recently. But yeah, really amazing to new R&B singer, which is really cool. cool. Ari Lennox, cool. Um, there's another... I, I was going to... I want to speak about something else, but um, we just got a question saying, asking my lad, do you think music education is relevant or is it just as easy to go out and learn? Uh, I mean, I guess it's more easy than ever now to go it alone because everything's there. Like, uh, you can find out about it. And if you want to research about something, you know, you don't have to, like, when I was a kid, of course, if you're into a particular type of music, you can't just get all that music instantly. You had to really, uh, it's part of your identity. That's the hip hop kids, that's the grunge kids. They got their tapes, they're swapping them, they're learning like that. Um, that's that's sort of peer to peer education I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, so I suppose in that sense, nowadays, yeah, it's all there. You just go and find out. And it's a lot easier in that respect. And, you know, finding out for yourself is your courses. It's, it's about art. It's about how you feel about something. It's not something you just read from a from a textbook how to feel and what this is and what that is. Having said that, you know, um, I think it's very important that we have music education in our society, that we have it in school, because that's the sort of thing that's the first thing to get cut when, uh, when we're trying to do budget cuts. And, you know, look at this situation now. No one's, um, when, when a lot of people, I should say, are finding themselves 
stuck at home with uh, with only their thoughts. You know, um, people need music. People are picking up old instruments, and trying to get into it like that. They're watching music documentaries. They're watching live streams of shows. I mean, I don't have to make the case for music to society, but yeah. Uh, so a bit of both, definitely. And especially when you're talking about music in terms of people who are like amazing musicians who have learned and they've got the credentials to be. Uh, <laughs> All I've got to do is the words. The words, yeah. And that is what you do, right? And professional Old stick, words, all right. But um, yeah, definitely music education. I need music education. I think um, <laughs> there's some. They keep, there's lots more questions. They keep coming up. Um, uh, I'm going to ask uh, these last couple of questions because then we've got to wrap it up quite soon. Um, I, there's, I can see a, a group of Dutch bikers gathering outside my window, and uh, you know they just pulled up and actually pulled up on their Harleys and their, their bikes. Is that the sign? Is it? Is it? It's on. That's the sign that they'll be they'll be in to get there to drop their bike gear off and go for dinner soon. So, um, you know, I, I'd rather not have have them trying to come <laughs> driving off to the mountains with them or whatnot. Yeah, well, I'll just go. They, they just went to the beach actually. So, right, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, unanswered questions here. Let's have a look. So we got brass, brass or woodwind. What instrument would you play? Uh, Woodwind, I think. Yeah. Uh, what does woodwind encompass? Right. Uh, woodwind is like um, clarinet, I think, and kind of um, uh, with a reed, right? But oh, yeah, okay. Um, I think probably woodwind. Yeah. Just because of the wear and tear of brass, you know, like my friend who was uh, shout out to Jack Tinker, who's a um, who's a trumpet player. You know, he'd be walking around for sound check all the time and we were in a band together and he'd just be sort of blowing raspberries and I thought he was just being a dick. <laughs> and then I, I didn't realise it's the whole thing that he does. And then uh, that's terrible, uh, you know, that can really fuck the lip up if you get the dry lip. That's what I was just thinking. No way. You know, so yeah, give, give respect to brass players, definitely. I mean, okay. I'm not really sure, but uh, brass players, you know, they're, they're working hard though. that. So. <laughs> As a strenuous task, I imagine I actually think you would suit would uh, woodwind more. To be honest, that's what I was. I don't, I don't know. If you were rapping, I think, and you were to go into another genre of music, I think, yeah, you should you should probably do that. Strenuous elbows. Strenuous elbows. I'm going to ask the last question. Which is, um, uh, do you have a favourite moment in your career? Moment. Um, Oh God! It, it could be at any moment as well. You know, I, I don't I think you know. It could uh, be possibly the first time with um with the foreign beggars got nice. playing at the um the hip hop Ken festival out in uh, in Czech Republic, and the first time they called me up to do something there because that's the first time um I've really seen a huge crowd. Like I think it was about twenty thousand. It's the biggest crowd I've ever been to. They've you know, this is wow. bigger things, but um, and it was what did I hear it described the other day? I was listening to some documentary, and someone described an audience like that is it either looks like a rug or some pizza, uh, like because it's just indistinguishable. It is weird, it looks like seeing an, an audience like that, it does look like Mordor or something, you know, just all the forks. Oh. Is that not intimidating you know, to go out, especially if you hear that and know that there's that many people, you know, you know what? obviously waiting for you and you can't stop up. The, this, the whole energy on stage of everyone being so pumped and then you're just, you're buzzing and, uh, and you're flowing with that. When you're confident in what you're doing, you know, uh, you know, then if you ask me to go on stage and do an hour of my show, that I've rehearsed, I've got it down, I know it, absolutely fine, let's go. If you ask me to get on stage without my people and have this interview like this, oh shit, that would be much. But um, yeah, so I, I just that that that's, that springs to mind in terms of like a big show that was 
Oh, that turning point felt amazing. Cool. That, that, yeah, I can imagine that was feeling incredible. The rush afterwards. I mean, like, I, I play music, I play small gigs. You know, I'm not a professional musician, but even playing a small gig, you know, when, when there's a, a bunch of people there that are there for you and they enjoy it and you see them enjoy it and then you come off afterwards, it's like heart, you're high, really. You know? I tell you what, small gigs, you ask me, like, say it's crazy to be adrenaline for those people, but. I'd say it's harder to do a small gig because you can see the whites of their eyes. You can see them looking at you going, who's this guy? Mm, very true, yeah. You know, and or, or the other way, you can be put off because someone's smiling. This is great. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when it's just a sea of people, you know, you can't see what's going on, whatnot. You know, you don't know. You, could, you don't know what individuals are thinking about that. You have no business not thinking you're there performing. You're yeah, never involved. But, yeah, uh, I'd be that's set up for any gig right now, you know. Just yeah. Ten, just 10 people. You're allowed 10 people in, uh, in Britain now. So I think that's okay. what you start doing. Just popping around. With, yeah, living room concerts. I think that's a good idea. Maybe. Maybe that's the future of live music in the UK. It's just like going around people's back gardens with a megaphone for 20 minutes. Do you think, are you going to tour once that uh, lockdown's lifted? If you plan to, have you got anything in line? I absolutely hope so. But, um, you know, it's, all entirely up in the air at the moment, you know, the whole industry is just weighing the bait of breath to see how things play out. You know, there's lots of um, people uh, in the meantime keeping things going with live streams. And I think that is kind of fascinating as well, how that could develop uh, as a kind of medium, you know, the, the live stream show. Obviously, we were talking about the NPR, tiny desk things and all that. So yeah. in that respect, you know, it's a, a strange thing. But now that people are forced into this is the only show they can do and everyone's doing these live shows. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's yeah, innovations in how people can play things. Like, do you know the band Henge? Like, no, I don't. What, what, uh, what that, that a good answer for other music that I like as well. Like, how do you describe? Kind of, it's too hard to describe. They're kind of like a concept band. Of, they're, they're from um, Manchester as well. Uh, really, really good musicians. But they're, they're actually they're, um, I probably shouldn't say that because officially they're from out of space. <laughs> giving away the secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they, they did a, uh, a live stream just recently that I saw where they just did, it's Henge Presents, the, um, the, the interplanetary song contest. So it's kind of like a jokey Eurovision thing. And they'd obviously done this pretty quickly. It was only a couple of weeks after lockdown and everything. And, um, and the, the, the levels of, you know, they've obviously got a green screen, they've done lots of wacky stuff. I'll let you look at that yourself. Yeah, I'll check it out. But certainly, Hench is, is my thing. Cool. Uh, I recommend that. It's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. And go and see them if we ever get to it on a music festival. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, there are actually, someone just asked, um, <laughs> did you listen to the Catch EP? Have, have you heard that? Oh, that is so. Okay, I'll uh, I'll send you a link to it afterwards. Um, it's, no, I, I I agree. If you haven't heard it, it's I'd say probably. Uh, oh, I think catch uh, the rapper Catchy P. Um, I think he gave you. Uh, someone is commenting saying he's asking if that once upon a time uh, shit, you guys swapped um, albums. You you sold one people swapped your one of yours one of his. Oh, I've been caught out here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, um, maybe. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I dropped you in it. I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, but I, I, I would recommend it as well, personally. It's absolutely... I, I try and listen to so much uh, new, new hip-hop that's coming out. It was probably my favourite. Oh, cool. Please send me a link to hear it. Yeah, wicked. I'd love, I'd love to check yeah. it out. Um. I should probably be wrapping this up now. As you might have seen, I've, there's been some uh, Dutch bikers have uh, walked into the room, and uh, so yeah, I, I should uh, should start wrapping this up. But it's been so much fun. And if you do tour uh, and come to the Netherlands, obviously you should come and get a tour. I got a, got a little little boat out here, go on the canals, and uh, maybe do another uh, podcast, but live this time. It was awesome, mate. Love to. Yeah, man. Any, uh, 
Any, not, if you want to give a shout out or anything, or any, you know, if there's any last thing, any points you want to make, or you know. uh, oh, shout out to everyone just maintaining at the moment. Shout out to nice. my pals. Shout out to Pitch Ninety Two, uh, Pete Cannon, Tom Caruana. You know, we're going to be making some music soon, and it's about the size of it. It's a lot. Peace to everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I will uh, drop you now from this uh, video and just finish it up quickly without you. And then, uh, yeah, so thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay, thanks everyone. You just were in tune with Dr. Syntax. I appreciate all of your comments and it was nice to have a big group of you watching this and asking questions. Sorry if I didn't get all of your questions, but hopefully we will get Dr. Syntax on again. Make sure you check out his music. And I can see there's going to be people that aren't necessarily into hip hop, but he still makes some really, really good tunes and some really funny kind of quite satirical music as well. So yeah, please check it out and make sure you share Shifty Perspective. You like us on social media. And if you get a chance, download this podcast on iTunes, just because uh, even if you listen to it already, we really appreciate having the download because we need to get stats and build up in the rankings. So thank you, everyone. And uh, see you next week. Thank you.